Kel Brook stops Mark DeLuca in the seventh round. Considering the layoff that Brook has had, I think this was a decent performance. DeLuca was tough in game, he came to fight, he had a lot of ambition and a lot of heart. And for the first two rounds, he actually gave Kel Brook some issues. And an argument could be made that he actually won the first two rounds. I know the commentary team weren't focusing on what DeLuca was doing, but if you go and watch it back, you'll see he was doing quite a lot. He was landing some good body shots, some nice shots upstairs, moving around quite well. But in the third round, Brook finally managed to find his timing and range. He pinned Mark DeLuca down and he opened up and he managed to do a tremendous amount of damage in a short space of time. Uh, DeLuca went down, he got up and he fought on bravely for the rest of uh, the fight while he was in there. But the writing was on the wall from that moment in the third round when Brook finally managed to pin him down and did a hell of a lot of damage. I mean, literally before that combination, Mark DeLuca was fresh-faced and full of beans. After that combination, he looked like he'd just done about 10 rounds with a prime Mike Tyson. So, yeah, Brook was in control from that moment. He steadily broke Mark DeLuca down. DeLuca was coming out with some wild swings here and there and trying to get Brook off of him. And he was still trying to win the fight as well as he could. But he understood from that moment that he had to be extra careful because Kel Brook could do him some serious damage. So he was still trying, but Brook slowly broke him down. Then in the seventh round, he stepped in with what can only be described as a power jab. And it snapped Mark DeLuca's head around, spun his head around. DeLuca went down pretty heavy, tried to get up, but couldn't beat the count. I think it was a KO, not a TKO, correct me if I'm wrong. But either way, he was done at that point. A good shot he stepped in with. It was, as I say, a power jab. But by that point, DeLuca had been softened up. If that shot had landed in let's say the first round, he might have been able to take it better. But after taking all the, all the punishment he had through those, you know, six and a half rounds, his resistance had been broken down by that point. So yeah, good performance, I think, by Kel Brook. Now, some people are criticizing some of the technical things Brook did in there, struggled to find his timing and range in the first two rounds. He was lunging in with punches. Uh, his defense looked a little porous. But those, other than the timing, those flaws have always been there with Kell Brook. Kell Brook has never been a defensively slick fighter. You go back and look at the Carson Jones fights, got hit plenty. You go back and look at many of Kell Brook's fights. He's not a difficult guy to hit. Yeah, he's not the easiest guy to hit in the world. But if you're talking about elite level, Brook is not, you know, uh, an elite defensive boxer. Never has been. Always been very upright. This very rigid back that he's got, which is unusual for an Ingle fighter. So as Boxing Beats and Rhymes pointed out in his post-fight video, Brook relies on his legs for defense because his upper body movement is not very good. And as you get older, and especially if you're moving up in weight, you're going to lose some of that foot speed. Even more so if you've been out in the ring for 14 months, which is what we saw there with Kel Brook. He wasn't as fast as we've seen him in the past with his hands or with his feet. And again, the timing and range, a lot of that is going to be due, due to the, the layoff as well. So yeah, those flaws have already always been there. And also when Kel Brook is lunging in with punches, he always has done that. In the Sean Porter fight, he was doing it. In the Errol Spence fight, he always lunges in and smothers his own work because Kel Brook has no inside game at all. Never has had. He's kind of similar to Vladimir Klitschko in that respect. Because everything is on the outside. He's got that hard jab like, Klitsch, like Vladimir Klitschko. The right hand down the pipe. But 
when it comes to inside, Brook just likes to jump on you and smother you and hold you. He doesn't really do much on the inside. Same as Vladimir Klitschko. And at this age, that's just who Brook is. He's not going to change now. He's not all of a sudden going to develop an inside game. He's not all of a sudden going to become slick defensively. No, he is what he is at this point. So as far as where he should go moving forward, there's basically two camps. Some people say he should continue on at 154 and try and get a title shot there. And the Liam Smith fight is something people are talking about as well. And there's the other camp, which I'm in, which are a minority at this point, who think that Kell Brook should drop back down to 147. Now, it's going to be a gamble either way. Because at 154, the guys are bigger and stronger. And therefore, Kell Brook won't be able to rely on his strength as much as he did at welterweight. Because he's always had these technical flaws, Kell Brook. But at 147, he was able to gloss over his technical flaws just by being bigger and stronger than a lot of the guys he fought. But at 154, he won't have that luxury. And those technical flaws will be exploited and exposed even more, I suspect, at the top level at super welterweight. But back down at welterweight, yeah, it's a gamble in terms of draining himself. But I just think having that physicality over a lot of his opponents is going to be a great uh, a great advantage. And remember, if Errol Spence comes back at 147, we don't know if he's going to be the same. And that's a fight that uh, Kell Brook is looking at. I mean, his promoter, Eddie Hearn, has been saying he'd like to Spence fight at 154, and I guess that's possible too. But, you know, 147, I don't think should be ruled out, you know? So that's my particular take on it. And Kell Brook, by the way, says that he's living the life for the first time in his career so far. Both him, Eddie Hearn, and his trainer, Dominic Ingle, have all been very candid and open in the lead up to this DeLuca fight and saying that Brook hasn't been living the life for most of his career, including in the build-up to some of his biggest fights. So now he's living the life. He said he made the wait for this DeLuca fight very easy. You know, perhaps he'll uh, find it easier making well away as well. That's just my take on it. It's a gamble either way. And another thing I have to mention is the fact that both 154 and 147 are basically owned by Al Heyman. <laughs> you know, other than Terence Crawford at welterweight, I think all the 154 champions are with Heyman. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but then you got uh, Terence Crawford at welterweight. Yeah, both divisions are pretty much owned by Heyman. So he's probably going to have to get himself into a mandatory position, whichever weight division he decides to campaign in. Because it's unlikely he's going to get a voluntary from anybody who's a Heyman fighter. Possibly Terence Crawford. There was talks about him fighting Crawford, I guess, last year. But somehow that didn't go anywhere. Um, maybe he could try and pursue that avenue again with Terence Crawford. It might be easier getting in there for a voluntary because Crawford is looking for people to fight, right? So it might be easier trying to get a voluntary of Crawford rather than getting yourself into a mandatory position for a Heyman guy. And this is the same thing that happened, by the way, when Kell Brook was champion. Because the only time he managed to get a Heyman fighter in the ring was in a mandatory situation because he was mandatory for Sean Porter. That's how he got that fight. And then, of course, Errol Spence was mandatory for Brooke. But in between that, he couldn't get any of the Heyman guys into the ring because Heyman likes to keep things in-house as much as possible. Yeah, just ask Terence Crawford about that. So, again, it, it will probably be a similar situation now for Kell Brook where... 
you know, uh, Heyman's probably not going to do him any favours. Now, some people have suggested maybe he should leave Eddie Hearn and join Al Heyman. Yeah, that's a possibility. But how is Al Heyman going to view Kell Brook? Is he going to view him as somebody who he wants to try and make a, a star out of? Is he going to try, is he going to treat Kell Brook like an A-side or is he going to treat him like food for some of his other fighters and weight everything in their favor? And remember, another thing as well is that Heyman fighters tend to be very inactive and Kell Brook wants to be active at this stage of his career. He doesn't want to have all these long layoffs outside the ring anymore. So is going to Heyman the right thing to do? He says he wants Eddie Hearn to get him out again in 12 weeks or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, we'll see how active Hearn can keep him. If Hearn isn't able to keep him active and isn't able to deliver, then maybe he could consider going to Heyman. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. Now, with regards to his relationship with Eddie Hearn in general over the years, again, I did a recent video where I uh, refuted this claim that Eddie Hearn destroyed Kell Brook's career. It's, it's a silly claim from silly people who have a a silly agenda, all very immature, immature nonsense from these people. The reality is Kell Brook is the one to blame for the way his career has gone. Yeah, He could have fought Jesse Vargas in a unification at welterweight. He chose not to go through with that fight. And there are some people disputing this in my Facebook group and what have you. Well, let's just look at the facts here. This is an article, as you can see from 2016, during the negotiations for Brook versus Vargas for that unification. And if you go down here, you'll see that Eddie Hearn confirms that Jesse Vargas signed his bout agreement. So Vargas signed for the fight. And the whole issue was money. Kell Brook wasn't happy with the money he was getting for the fight. It was small money, but it was big opportunity because Kell Brook had been basically frozen out by the PBC guys. So he was waiting around for an opportunity to unify with somebody. That opportunity came and he didn't take it because he was getting small money. If he'd taken the fight and won and become unified IBF and WBO welterweight champion, it probably would have given him the, uh, the kind of status in the division he was looking for and made it more difficult for the PBC guys to ignore him and only interact with him for mandatory situations, you know? Just imagine how different his career would have been if he would have taken the small money for the Vargas fight, the, the big opportunity that came with it. Yeah, he chose not to, he chose to go in a different direction. Again, some people are disputing this. Go back and check the facts. Some people are not doing this. Go back and check the facts. I mean, here's an article where they interviewed Jesse Vargas. And you see Vargas here says, they knew I wasn't going to agree to those terms. Once we sign the contract, we stick by it. And two days later, he gets the Triple G fight. So that's the story, people. Brooke wasn't happy with the money he was getting for the Vargas fight. Then an opportunity came along to fight Golovkin. And he said, you know what? To hell with this Vargas fight for small money. Let me take the Golovkin fight for big money. That was Kell Brook's decision. Eddie Hearn never forced him into it. There are idiots out here almost suggesting that Hearn forced him into it because Hearn wanted to save a pay-per-view show. No, you can't force Kell Brook into anything. Brooke, along with his trainer, Dominic Ingle, and Brooke's dad, actually his stepdad, they all, as a team with Eddie Hearn, said, okay, we're going to go for the Golovkin fight rather than the Jesse Vargas fight. And to further prove what I'm saying is true, the Kell Brooke-Gennady Golovkin fight was announced. You can see the date here. On July 8th, 2016, the Vargas-Pacquiao fight wasn't announced until August 2016. So Brooke Golovkin was announced a month before Vargas Pacquiao. Vargas signed his end of the deal for the Brook fight. So all these people claiming Vargas pulled out and, 
he wasn't serious about a fight. Load of nonsense. Eddie Hearn admitted that Vargas signed for the fight. Where are people going with this? So it was Kell Brook's decision. Yes, small money against Vargas, but what was Brook doing in his career at that point? He wasn't some cash cow fighter that was the center of the division. No, he was a marginalized man who was fighting people like Frankie Gavin and, and Kevin Bizier, Jojo Dan. These are the type of fights he was getting. And again, people blame that on Hearn. Oh, Hearn didn't get him the big fights. Well, yeah, he didn't get him the big fights, but there's only so much you can do if Al Heyman wants to keep things in-house. Just ask Terence Crawford. There's only so much you can do. The only real alternative for Kell Brook at that point would have been to sign with Al Heyman, right? But if he was going to stay in the UK, uh, Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn, they were limited in terms of what they could have done. Same way if he'd gone to the US and signed with uh, Bob Arum. Would have been limited in terms of what he could have done. Al Heyman likes to keep things in the house, particularly in the welterweight division, and he makes it very difficult for anybody outside of that PBC sphere who he perceives as a threat. He makes it very difficult for them to penetrate that sphere. In a mandatory situation, that can be your saving grace. But outside of that, none of them PBC guys are going to give Kell Brook a voluntary shot. They weren't back then in terms of voluntary unification, and they weren't now in terms of, uh, or they aren't now, excuse me, in terms of a voluntary shot. I mean, some of these people act like Eddie Hearn didn't want Kell Brook to have the big fights. This is, this is how demented these people are. They think that Eddie Hearn didn't want Kell Brook to unify with anybody at welterweight. And he, he, he kept, somehow kept him away from those fights or something and only wanted to put him in there against Golovkin. I mean, these people are demented. Eddie Hearn tried to make the Vargas fight. Kell Brook didn't like the money. It wasn't Eddie Hearn, it was Kell Brook. Obviously, Eddie Hearn had to go back to Bob Arum and say, okay, well, you know, the money's not right and the pound is changing because of the, uh, Brexit and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, we're going to have to move on because he didn't want to make it look like his fighter was ducking or whatever. You know, he had to come up with some kind of excuse to tell Bob Arum. But Jesse Vargas obviously didn't believe that. And also, when it comes to the uh, lifestyle that Kell Brook is living outside the ring, I mean, is he su supposed to blame all that on Eddie Hearn? Is it, is it Eddie Hearn's fault that Kell Brook wasn't living the right life? outside the ring. Again, where are people going with this? <laughs> it's all very illogical, nonsensical stuff that people use to bash Eddie Hearn at every opportunity. They think that's what makes them hardcore. That's what makes them a real boxing fan. No, it doesn't. It just makes you a donut with an agenda. That's all it makes you. Nothing hardcore about it. Not to say that Eddie Hearn is infallible. Of course, he can be criticized when it's reasonable and when it's uh, you know logical. But outside of that, it's just a bunch of people with an agenda. Anyway, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. It's Hatman, I'm out. Hatman merch is now available. We got t-shirts, vests, hoodies, and more. Just click the link below. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week, covering a wide variety of controversial topics, as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today.
Robertson here for seconds out with my old friend Adam Smith, Sky Sports Head of Boxing Development now. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how your role's changed recently. Yeah, I, uh, I talked to um, Rob Webster, the, the uh, manager director of Sky Sports, when he came in, in uh, last year. And I said I'd really like a, a, a slightly different role, uh, one still in boxing, uh, but one where I can really get my teeth into the commercial side um, and work on the very important sort of uh, next two or three years in the sport. I mean, we've uh, we've grown as a sport, haven't we, everybody? You know, um, BT have got a great offering over in America with DAZN and ESPN and, and, and Top Rank and PBC and Fox and Showtime. And there's so much competition out there now. We've got to be really on our toes. So I want to be uh, concentrating more and more on the commercial side and the fact that, you know, our, uh, our, our rights deal with Eddie and with AJ, you know, is, is got another sort of year and a half to run. We want to make sure that we look at that and hopefully we negotiate and, and move forwards with them and, and, and all of that and look at what's what's out there in the, on, the, on the boxing, you know, the boxing scene because the Olympics are coming up and there's new blood and so I'm going to be concentrating sort of I guess half my time on that and half my time on uh, on, on my talent side and, and on the, the commentary. I'm going to be lead commentating on all the big nights still but I won't be doing everything um, and uh, Andy Clark is going to be doing a lot of the, the commentary which is great. I think he's fantastic and I think the production team uh, will do better under uh, Georgie Faulkner who is uh, the director of multi-sports and she runs the darts and she might probably know her well. She runs the darts and she runs the NFL and the NBA and, and, and GAA and netball and so many sports. Rugby Union, Rugby League has now gone under her as well so she's got this, this huge sort of portfolio of sports where she will run the uh, the production element of boxing. Well, Ed Robinson will do the day-to-day. He's the senior producer so he'll, in effect, he'll run the day-to-day -day production of it which is fantastic and they've got great content makers in that side. So we're sort of splitting the content side and what actually happens on the night and in there to the commercial side. So I'll be concentrating on the commercial and what happens and what we bring into Sky for the big fights, the big nights, making sure that boxing's still at the absolute top end of what we're delivering our customers. And they'll be making the sparkle and making the magic happen and uh, and I'll be um, you know, calling the fights. So it's a slightly different role. I'll be working a little bit more, hopefully, with my Sky Sports scholars, which I'm very into. I, uh, I mentored Savannah Marshall for, for many years. I now mentor a tennis player called Daniel Altmaier, and I'm very involved with Joe Fraser and Imani Lancecott and Emily Appleton and a lot of these scholars in, in, in the sport. And I want to be looking at the Olympics and the, the next generation. And, and I'm also spending a lot of time as well with the women uh, fighters, the, the likes of Katie Taylor and Terry Harper and all those that are developing Savannah too, to make sure that we are in a real good place for the best in, in, in men's boxing, the best in women's boxing, the best in the youth coming through and uh, the best that we can deliver our customers. And uh, the production team will make it sparkle. That's their strong point and hopefully mine are the other two. You mentioned uh, renegotiating rights deals with Matrim and Joshua. Are they separate deals or are they one package deal? No, they're separate deals, um, but we are all in conjunction. So they, they run simultaneously. They run. How you doing, all right? Welcome, Steffi. Steffi. Good this is Cameo. Good. How are you? Cameo in our video. You're good, Steffi. Oh, you're good. Nice. No, it's fine, Steffi. Ball, great guy. What a great relationship. What a great chemistry he's got with Terry. It's a, a fantastic thing he's done wonders for her. And uh, she's got a massive opportunity on Saturday night. But yeah, going back to your question. Yeah, they're different. It's, it's matchroom. We're, we're, all, we're all together, look, ultimately, you know. But the matchroom deal with, with Sky Sports has been running for a lot longer than Anthony Joshua's deal, so but they do come up at the same time, and so yeah, we'll be looking to uh, to get both over the line and, and move forward with both parties. Absolutely. What, what are your expectations of that? Is it going to well, be yeah. hard nosed negotiating you and Eddie 
throwing hard. things at each other across the table? Of course not. You know, Eddie and I have a great relationship, as you know. We speak every day. Um, you know, we, we agree on many things. We, we disagree on some, and, and we make it work. And I think we've had a fantastic partnership with Matchroom over many, many years. We want that to continue way into the future. And why, why shouldn't he? It's a great relationship. It's a wonderful platform for him. Anthony Joshua adores us. We adore his, what he's done. As I said, there's never bias when we pick up the mic. We call the independence. We call it as we see it. When he lost to Andy Ruiz, he lost to the better man. When he beat Andy Ruiz, he beat. He, he was the better man. So ultimately, you know, we, we that that that's that's something that we'll always call independence on. We talk about Fury Wilder. We talk about Joyce and, and Dubois. We do much more of that. That's uh, something we I want to look much more into the future for it. real independence on Sky. You know, across our platforms. But yeah, but we're very interested in getting the best that we can deliver on Sky. And at the moment, the best is definitively with Matchroom and with uh, Anthony Joshua. He's got his belts back and we want a, a nice good future with him and he's an ambassador for our company. He's a brilliant role model for British sport. So of course we want to do that. But we also want the best boxing on Sky and through Eddie we've managed to get the golden contract and MTK and, and other things. We've worked with PBC, we've worked with top rank on fights through Eddie. So there's a lot that can happen. But um, yeah, our relationship is really strong and I'm looking to uh, renegotiate very quickly. By extolling the virtues <laughs> of uh, Eddie Hearn and Matchroom, are you slightly worried that the asking price is now going to go up a bit? You shot yourself in the foot a little bit. No, this is bo this is boxing. The zone have come in. They've thrown a lot of money at it. Obviously, that you know, we'll, we'll look at we'll look at uh, all of that commercial side, but we'll make sure that we go forward. I think the press is about to start now. It is indeed. So we thank you for your time. No problem, Danny. Any time. You know that. Really See you later, my friend. Cheers. Congratulations. Andrew McCart, IFL TV and Association with MTK Global. I'm here in Sheffield, the Sheffield Arena, or the Fly DDS you Arena, whatever you want to call it, I can't remember now. With me with John Doherty. John, you promised me a stoppage when you promised me a KO, you got it. Unfortunately, I was doing an interview with Callum Beardo and I missed it, so you have to explain the whole fight to me. Yeah, well, um, I was rushing my work at the start, and once I started listening to Tony and getting my jab, and my long range shots, I usually get involved too much and get involved in standing with the boys too much. Once I started getting my long shots going, I landed a long backhand, I think it was the last 10 seconds, and I knew when I landed it, it just was, he was getting back up from that, and it was a good shot, connected right. <coughs> I, got, I, got, I got hit off some silly shot, or a hook I think it was, what well, I shouldn't be getting no way hit, but I'm not thinking we're getting KOs, so I want to rush my work all the time, but when I slowed it down at the end, it was the last 10 seconds in the first round, I think, I put them down, so. Is that because of your age and the experience that you don't have yet, that you're rushing your work a little bit? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it is. I used it in sparring, uh, but I I've come away from it sparring now because you blow yourself out, don't you? You can't knock everyone out in sparring, but um, my fights, I, I, I love, I don't know why it is, if I set a high work rate, I, I feel like I, get, I don't get as tired. If I set a slower work rate, I, don't, I feel like I get more tired, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I just got to balance out when I get the longer runs, when I'm doing eight and ten rounds and that, so um, it's a step up next, as I said, and um, I'm looking forward to it. What round was that? First. First round of that? Yeah, How first many first round stoppages have you got now? I don't have a clue. Eight and all. Eight and all. Six kills. That must be five. Must be five. I think it's five, yeah. Five, so. You are a KO specialist, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, so. What do you think? Your name's a doc, right? This is what David Diamante said. He yeah. said, change the O and the C for a K. Yeah. Right? Because it's like KO backwards. Yeah, backwards. What do you think of yeah, that? Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. He pulled me aside, yeah, at the press conference, was it another way? And he said, wait, how about this doc? And he told me about it, and I'm going to do it. 
it sounds good to me, so yeah. At the press conference we spoke about how you are going to put it on Eddie to get a next gen show yeah. in Scotland. Um, I said to do it at the press conference when I yeah. asked you a question, obviously you've done yeah. your little piece in there. Have, uh, have you put it on Eddie yet? I, I asked him, but I'm going to ask him again now when I walk out here and I'm going to see how he's liked my performance and I'm going to put it on him again and say what about a next gen show. I generally, yeah, I do think we'll get it, you know, I do generally do think we'll get it by the end of the year. It, Tony Simpson that there's things it as well. I mean, we've got Cash Rook now. We've got we can get a few Scottish fighters and a few English fighters. Right? Do you know what I mean, so um, I don't know why we can't yeah. do it, but I'll just keep on his toes and say. But he's never done it in Scotland, so oh. I think he will. He's always been in England, isn't it? So mm. our next gen show is well awake and coming in Scotland. I think by then. Isn't the like Cash headlining as well? You call. Ah, not even bothered. Yeah, whatever. So yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, we've got the fighters up there. Now, I just want to be back in Scotland. I never fought in Scotland. Though. I fought in uh, Josh Taylor's one, but it was like. When it just started, do you know what I mean? So mm. I, I never really had no more, like, people was, not a lot of people was in there, do you know what I mean? But if I get an exchange show, it's always packed there, do you know what I mean? I, I, it'd be very good if I get an exchange show, even if I'm not even main event, call main event, whatever. As long as I'm on the card, back in Scotland, building my fan base back in Scotland, I'll be happy. Well said, obviously, before I let you go, because I know you've got your little, your little brother and all this way yeah. for you, stuff like that. I'm not going to get you on camera, young man, you're done with these opponents now, aren't you? Yeah, this you're is done. That's you want a name now? I've told them all that there, but um, we've been we've been asking for these last because Jerryman's been pulling out, and we've been asking for step ups, and they've been not pricing themselves out in that there. Do you know what I mean? So it's just um, who, if, as I said, if they can get in the ring with me, it's getting them in the ring with me. It's alright offering them and saying they're going to fight me. It's getting them in the ring with me, and to the day like, when I get a half decent opponent in the ring with me, I'll show you how good I am, really am. Any names for me? Go on. There's a boy who fought Craig Richardson, Chad Sunderland, there's Anthony Fox, there's loads of people, there's Charlie Shamus up there, he's 9 0, um, there's all the different boys. We've asked another Irish boy, Patrick McCrory or something, he fought in that Oh, Patrick McCrory, yeah. Patrick McCrory, yeah, yeah. yeah. Him there. He's a. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> He's a Celtic title holder. Yeah, I, I, him there, whatever. Listen, I'm ready for the step up and then you'll see. I'm game for anyone. Anyone wants to get in the ring with me, I'm happy. Get in the ring with me. There you go. Well, let's go and put it on Eddie. Yeah, exactly. John, as always, thank you for this Fightful TV and go enjoy the rest okay, of the time. Cheers, my man. Thank you. You're on camera, you man. <laughs> Andrew McCarthy, IFL TV in association with MTK Global. I'm here with Charlie Sims. Charlie, I've been chasing you around the hotel because you've got this lovely little puppy you've, you've had at the hotel. I wish I could do this interview with that dog. I mean, just, just before we talk about boxing and anything else, just describe your, your puppy to I've us, I've got please. a little puppy, a mini Dachshund. She's really rare. Um, bought her from a dog father. She's a lovely little dog. Just couldn't bring her here tonight. Just I don't I'm, know. I'm I just tried. she's in the hotel, but she's with my missus in a minute. But she's a lovely little dog. She's got one blue eye, one brown eye. Yeah. She's got like a proper brown sausage dog. Yeah, she's, she's, they call her a dapple. So what color scheme is that? It's, they do all different colors. But she's called a silver dapple. You should Google it. She's really yeah. nice. I'll try and get her into a show next time. I'll try and get her a wristband. That, 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 get her wristband. <laughs> <laughs> that'd, that'd be brilliant. Got a boxing channel, so let's talk about boxing. John Dock, first and foremost, I mean, John Dock does what he's he does best. Yeah, just knocks people out, just talking about his performance. It's funny because in the changing room, we were talking about, well, Tony and the Dock were talking about, you know, we're stepping into an eight after this fight and let's try and get some rounds under our belt because the next fight's going to be a step up. And uh, fucking hell, he's just got no respect, to see. He's, <laughs> you know, he just gets in there and he 
just he just can't wait to blast them out, and um, he's going to be in some really exciting fights, the Doc. And the division's kind of w- wide open for him, so yeah, he's a good one to is watch. Is that a headache for you that he's knocking these people out in the first round? You're not getting to see, especially for Tony as well. Is that a headache for you that he's n- not getting the rounds uh, in? No. It, I mean, Tony said to him, if you find the shot and you catch him, get him out there. And to be honest, he's a, he was a one-shot, he was a one-shot KO, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't even like he could let him get up and take his time, and he just it was one shot on the bell, and it was finished after that. So, is it annoying? No, because it's kind of exciting, mm-hmm. and you know, he's got the power to do it. Would we like to see him get some more rounds for experience? Yes, because it just helps everything in the long run. But at the moment, it's a fucking exciting journey, man. And um, John Doc's name is, is an exciting name in the super middleweight division. Talking about exciting journeys, I've just had a good interview there, Martin J. Ward. I mean, he's on the cusp of a world title shot now for that performance against uh, Amparan. I mean, what yep. a performance. I said the jab, I've not seen him jab like that before in any of his fights. And again, his footwork in and out, the intelligence to tie him up when he was in close and not letting them shot so off. Mm-hmm. You've been around Tony and the gym and not your dad and whatnot, but. Is that stuff he's been working on the gym, or is that just pure experience at this age and this level? I think he's always been a good technician. Um, he's always been a great boxer, and I think tonight he proved that when Martin Ward's at his best, he can beat he can beat the best in the world. And I think he deserves a world title shot, and he fucking wins one as well. I think he's good enough to win a world title. Um, I've been around Martin a long time. I've known him for a long time. We grew up together. We're the same age. Um, nothing would mean more to me in the world <laughs> to get him a world title shot and definitely see him win one. I think the Tennyson fight set him back. It was uh, an annoying setback because we kind of chose the Tennyson fight. Um, Tony really wanted that fight for Martin Wall at the time because we knew that would lead on to a world mm-hmm. title. And Tennyson, rightly so, did get a world title shot after that. But I just think Martin stayed in the gym, kept working. He hasn't had the fights that he would have wanted. He's had a few six-rounders. Um, the Bushiero fight was a good a good win for him, but that was almost two years ago now. So, you know, he's ready to roll, man. He needs to get his world title shot, and uh, I think tonight he proved that he's he's up there with the best. What has Eddie said to you in reference Martin Ward and a world title shot? Has he gave you a name? I know Alvarado's a name Eddie well, has two, mentioned, but what's, what's he said to you? The two obvious fights for the WBA and for the IBF. Now, obviously, Farmer's just lost to Diaz Jr. Whether he's going to... Um, He's going to do the rematch because I'm pretty sure he would have had that as a clause. We don't know. If he doesn't, we'll fight Diaz Jr. The other option is uh, Alvarado, he's with Golden Boy. Obviously, if whoever fights Canelo, whether it's Billy Joe or Callum Smith, because I've heard they're the two front runners, Alvarado on Cinco de Mayo on the undercard has to be the fight. Sounds Surely. Yeah. Um, WBC is a little bit unknown as to what's going on. And WBO, Jamel Herron, is supposedly fighting Carl Frampton. So. We have to fight really either for the IBF or WBA. Oh, and Concio, who's got the regulars, just gone to top rank, so I'm sure they'll have their own plans there. But Alvarado, Cinco de Mayo, Canelo on the card, and uh, well, it will even be Diaz Jr. or the winner of that fight, but it means we're going to have to wait. So You're happy to travel then. I mean, obviously, home advantage is important to some fighters, but yeah. obviously, it seems like your team here, you're happy to travel stateside to get that world title, and you've got high belief that Mark can do it no matter where it is on this planet. Yeah, you'll travel anywhere. I mean, it's exciting, isn't it? Mm. Because if you're getting called to fight Alvarado for the world title on Cinco de Mayo, on Canelo, Canelo's undercards, huge opportunity. Huge. And um, the same to fight whoever, whether it's Diaz or Farmer in Miami or LA or New York or Philly or wherever. It's a great, great opportunity. You're going to get one the plane beside you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't like flying, so I'm going to have to. <laughs> we'll, we'll take some time or something. We'll knock ourselves to sleep. Charlie, as always, great team you've got behind you. What, what, you're doing a great job with these fighters. It's Thank good you. to see them happy and smiling. And, uh, yeah, yeah. 
There's going to be good, some types coming back to the gym. Good, good start to 2020, for definitely, sure. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, you're a good man, Andy. Thank you for this wonderful TV, Cheers, Charlie, man. and uh, hopefully catch up with you soon. Yes, Cheers, yeah. my man. You're a good man. I'm looking forward to to it a lot. You know, it's been a uh, been a uh, uh, year where I only had one fight, and I needed the time off. You know, I needed to uh, put some focus and energy in, in in other areas, other projects that I do. And but now I wanted to get back. I want to, you know, get back in boxing. Show my fans that you know a loss isn't the end of of my career. And in fact. I'm hungrier and, and more motivated now to prove to everybody that, you know, I'm much better than they uh, have seen in the past. And this is a good opportunity for me to show that, you know, February 29th will be an opportunity for me to show, you know, the full Mikey Garcia. As you say, it's been quite a, a long period of activity since the loss in March. What have you done with that time off? Has it been kind of a time of reflection? Is it kind of a reset time? What's, what have you kind of filled that time with? Um, you know, after, after the loss, uh, after the fight in March, I, I didn't really need time to, you know, reflect on my career or reflect on the fight itself and, 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 and try to see if I still want to do this. It, it wasn't one of those moments. It was just time for me to uh, focus on other projects that I have going. Um, just take some time away from boxing. The boxing routine, boxing, you know, training and, and camp and it's very, very uh, strenuous on, on, on us physically, mentally. You know, it's it's t tough, hard work. And so I needed a break, spent some time, you know, had a few vacations, a few days off, focus on, on other businesses that I, I try to uh, run and just to, you know, be a little more normal than, than a boxer's life, you know, break away from the normal routine of a, of a training camp. So that that's really what I did, but now I I I, I want to get back in the ring. That's that's what I do best, and it's time uh, that I get back and, and and show the world, you know, the fighter that I am. I guess no fighter ever really kind of plans for, for a comeback. It sort of plans to come back after a loss. But um, you yourself have said like it's like the loss never happened. You and your mind is never sure. changed. But is there, is, there, is, there, is there any more pressure in this fight? Is there less pressure? Is the hunger more intense than it was before? Or is it just like nothing? You know, it, I don't feel any pressure ever. Like, I just, every fight, it's just a fight. It's me getting in, in, in the ring, doing my job. I don't feel pressure, you know, leading up to a fight. I don't feel pressure in the ring. It's just what I got to do. But um, this this fight, I think there there's a lot of questions that have been, you know, uh, circulating from fans and media and everybody. You know, and, and I think this fight gives me the opportunity to show everybody that, like I said, it's not the end of Mikey Garcia. It's not the end of my career. I mean, one loss against the best in the division, and I still, you know, went 12 rounds. I'm not hurt. I didn't get injured. He never hurt me at all. That's just the way boxing is. You know, you had an off night, and, and let's see how you move forward. And a lot of people are questioning themselves, you know, questioning that because, I took time off. Oh, maybe he doesn't have the fire. Maybe he doesn't have the passion. You know, I'm, I'm going to answer all those questions, you know, February 29th. How do you answer 
I just gotta go in there and, and, and do my thing. I gotta go box effectively, be smart, be quick, be strong. What, it, what people have seen of me in the past, I just gotta go in there and do it again. Um, because it's, it is at 147, that's why there's a lot of questions, that's why there's a lot of doubt. You know, why didn't I just move back down to a normal weight class of lightweight or, or even super lightweight where I feel more comfortable? You know, and those are the questions that are, will be answered on, on the 29th. I feel that it's a great opportunity for me to do it. You know, it's, it's a great uh, opponent, uh, former world champion in two divisions, former welterweight champion, only two losses, you know, to the hands of Manny Pacquiao and Timothy Bradley. You know, that tells you, you know, the kind of fighter that Jesse Vargas is. I didn't pick just a random guy, you know, off the streets. I went, I'm trying to challenge myself to show everybody that I am capable of doing much more than what they saw in the last fight. Yes, we, we looked at other names, and I, I honestly, I, uh, I threw out a few names out there um, because they were not exciting enough. They were not meaningful enough. They were either past prime fighters who had already been beat multiple times, knocked out a few times, or it was fighters who really wouldn't do anything for my career. You know, a win over someone like them, people would just laugh and not give me any credit. I needed somebody that was... Uh, a, a bigger challenge, someone that was more credible. And Jesse Vargas has all that, you know, and that's why we pursued a fight with Jesse. They accepted the fight, his team accepted the fight, and, and we're able to uh, put that together. Another big question is about Jesse moving around in weights as well, but you yourself says in an interview, you know, I shouldn't even be at 147. What, what's the reason for sticking out that way? Is it because you feel like you've got a lot more to show at 147? Yes, I feel that there's a lot more I can do at 47. And the last fight is in a clear uh, demonstration or representation of what I can do. It wasn't my night. You know, it just was not the fight that I wanted to fight. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't perform. And, you know, once in a while you have those off nights, and that's it. It just happened to be that night for me. And I know there's a lot more I can perform, I, I can do. And I need to show my fans and the rest of the boxing world that I can do a lot more, even at 147. You know, and that's why I chose to fight this fight at 147. After this fight, you know, I'll look at, at options to see what's available, either 140, 147, depending on what's available. I'm not stuck on 147. I'm not also saying goodbye to the lighter weight classes. I'm just keeping my options open. What's the big drive for you now? You've, you've done it all. Like, is, it an, is it a world championship in a fifth weight class? Is that something you want to kind of tick off? The, the world title in a fifth division is, is uh, very exciting. I would love to, to fight for a title again at 47. And, and claiming a world title at 47, making me a fifth division champion would be great. That's one of the reasons that I keep you know, doing this and that's why I'm pursuing you know, to, to stay around you know, at 147 for those reasons. Um, but uh, there's, there's other, other motivations. You know, I, I, got, I got a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, legacy to build still. I still want to create bigger, you know, uh, uh, just a bigger legacy for, for myself, my, my family. Um, I'm not done, you know. I'm, I still feel that there's a lot more to accomplish. I know I'm accomplished a lot more. You know, I'm barely hitting the, the top portion of the part of my career, you know, the prime of my career. I'm, I'm in it right now. And there's, there's, no, there's no looking back. There's no stopping me right now. Stage in your career. So, what can we kind of expect from sort of Mike Garcia 2.0? Like, 
Well, look, when, if, if I have to break down my career over the, the last years or from when I turned pro, you know, I turned pro at 18. The first part of my career, I could say, led up all the way to me winning the first world title in 2013, second world title in 2013, right around that time. I could consider that like the first part of my career because I was still fairly young, fairly new, uh, learning still, you know, the boxing world. I had a break, I had a two and a half year layoff, come back, it's kind of like the, the comeback stage of my career. You know, the fights after my comeback in 2016, then 2017, won a world title, then fought for another title the following year in 2018, then unified the titles in 2018, summer of 2018. So that, that could be considered like a second stage of my career where I'm showing everybody that there was a lot more that I hadn't shown in the first stage, the first part. So it was the comeback. You know, can I come back after the two and a half year layoff? Now this part I consider the third stage because it's coming off of a loss. Coming off of a loss, you know, is, is, is something that everybody kind of, like I said, has questions. They want to see, can I come back strong? Can I come back better than before? Or am I done? Am I, you know, a fighter that's, you know, past his prime? So that's why I consider this a, a, a third part of my career. And I'm here to prove to everybody that I'm not any less than what you saw the previous years. In fact, I'm only getting better. And I'm hungry. I'm, 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 I'm motivated to prove to everybody. And, and just because I, I know I can do so much more and I can accomplish so much more. So that's why I, I consider this next part of my career like another stage, you know, coming off of a loss. And I think these fights that, I, that are coming you know, the, I'm in my prime. I, I just don't see it how I can go back, and, you know, as far as, you know, um, declining, you know, I, I'm not declining at all. I'm, I'm in my prime. I feel great. I feel fast, strong, talented. And that's why I consider this next part, you know, like the best of, of my career. Leading up to that, we've spent a couple of days of the year in the house in, uh, in, in residence. You've been in camp since October, right? Sure, time. sure. We started training. Well, uh, a few a few differences, you know, and, and it's not that I purposely change things just because I feel it's gonna be better. It's sometimes you just have to flow and and and, and adjust. Um, for example, this time I did not go up to sna to snack up north in in uh, San Carlos. I did not go to snack for the uh, pre camp that we have done in the past. Um, time wasn't you know wasn't allowing us to go spend time out there and with the fight coming up sh in such short amount of weeks now there's no time for me to break away and, and do anything else so I'm, I'm staying here in Riverside with my brother and my nephew and my dad we're working out um, we always work out hard so that's, that's not any different um, but that's that's the only difference I, I didn't go up to snack like I have done in, in the in the past uh, two camps that I did but um We'll still be working with Victor Conte and his uh, his team, advising on on what supplements to take, what kind of vitamins and whatnot. Um, we'll be working out a few days out of the week on a routine that Victor suggests we we do to keep the sharpness going, keep the explosiveness going for for our for our boxing. So we still are, are working with the team, just not spending time there. Yeah. In, your, in your career. How much of a 
fantastic for you to, to get back some of those fans that watched you back in March in Texas. It must be a great opportunity for you to be fighting in front of the fans and put on a great show for you. Look, I, I, I love Texas. You know, Texas is almost like a second home, almost like a like another 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 home of, of mine because I fought in Texas many, many times, different regions of Texas. In the Dallas area, I fought multiple times and the fans always show up, show me their love, their support. Um, Texas has always been a, a great state for boxing. And every time I come there, you know, people just show me lots of love and, and I, I, I appreciate that. You know, I get very, very much love here too in, in LA, but um, this, this occasion, like uh, the date didn't coincide with, with the venues that were available, availability on the venues. Sometimes you got to look for that. And this time we weren't available to do anything here in, in Southern California. Texas has always been great. They happen to be available. Now we're, we're back. Um, it's kind of like an opportunity for me to make up for the last fight. You know, let me show you guys there's a lot more in me. And, and that's why I'm happy to be back. Um, they show all that love to me. I'm gonna give them, you know, a fight for them to 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 uh, enjoy. Just finally, what's what's the main thing that still drives you? What what keeps the fire burning? Just success. Once you have a little bit of success in the ring and there, you believe in yourself so much, you know, you don't want to stop. That's how I feel. I, I know there's so much more that I can do. That I can accomplish so much more. I don't want to stop until I finish everything. I want to be champion a few more times. You know, I'm going to be champion in, in fifth division. I'm going to be champion, you know, two or three more times. So that's, that's what keeps me going. I want to be remembered. I want to make sure that when I'm done with my boxing career as a fighter, people can look back and really admire and appreciate the kind of fighter that I was, that I didn't back away from nobody, that I didn't avoid fighters, that I fought everybody at their time, at their prime, in their best time, undefeated fighters after undefeated champions, you know, I, you name it, I did it. I'm not taking on opponents that are on the way out or just to stay busy kind of fights and just picking up a check. That's not what I'm about. I want to fight the best that's available, you know, and, and just give the fans memorable fights. That's what I'm about and that's what I'm going to accomplish. Um, the world titles will come because I know I'm going to be champion two or three more times, maybe even more. I'm not, I'm not denying, I'm not doubting myself on that. Um, but it, I, I still need these fights to, to show the fans, you know, the full potential that I have. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm, like I said, I'm not stopping, I'm, I'm in my prime. Other fighters are, are, that were kind of like in the same age group as me are starting to think and look into retirement, you know, close to retirement. I'm not. Uh, I got I got plenty more to to give. Awesome. See. Coogan Cassius, Eiffel TV, MTK Global. I do like your hair. Can I explain first, right? What are you going to explain about your hair? Right. We've been in an hotel for the past, what, three, four days. Do you know that little... I forgot my own gear. Do you know that shitty shampoo stuff? Yeah. I've been using that. My hair's gone frizzy. 
I'm not looking my best at the minute. I'm stressed. I'm a str I'm a coaching. I'm Why are you stressed? Because my hair looks shit all the time. You, you're stressed and about I'm your hair. Camera. I'm on camera. It's not cut. It's just been an hard week to look good. You know what I mean? If you think lot. those are problems, you're going to do all right in life. Yeah, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. What do we make of David's performance today? Expected? Yeah. If he did, if he did terrible there. Uh, he's a lot, I know he's a lot better than other people think because I see him in gym all the time. Yeah. He did well there. Uh, good finish, wasn't it? He, look, he looks good when he does all his, all this, all this stuff making a miss and uh, almost as good as me. But yeah, he looked good. I'm happy. Was we can see him quickly approaching with two pairs of gloves. I thought. Maybe two minutes. Um, what do you do? He seems like sometimes, like I said, he's a little bit up and down sometimes, which is fair yeah. to say. So when he's down, what? How do you help him? I just, I don't. There's no like technique to it. I think it just comes like naturally. It's weird. It's like you just be there, don't you, for him? And I know it's nearly been two years now. I kind of know is it's a routine almost. It's like oh, he's having a bit of a shit time. It's just be nice to him, really, and I think he, he enjoys the training stuff as well. So if he sees me do good in a spa or something like that, he'll be buzzing, and that will like get him going again and things like that. I think a routine helps you in life. More than help. Do you speak any Italian? Uh, pizza. What? Pizza. Morello. No, I don't actually. I don't. I don't speak any No, it's because he says he wants to fight on an Italy show. Yeah. And he said he'll go there with no pay, with just flights and accommodations. I'm fine. And you as fight. well. This is too early now. I'm turning pro in May. And you're going to fight in Italy? And there's, no, there's a show in Milan in yeah. June, which I really want to be on. Well, it looks like you're going to be on it. Well, yeah, I am. Let's speak. You need to brush up on a bit of Italian. Well, yeah, I'll do a bit of learning on about Milan. I went, I went, do you speak Italian? He went, yeah, pizza. Morella, Danny Morella. Si. Si. Mario Kart. Mar what what? That it's Mario, yeah. <laughs> He's Italian. Luigi. Ah, arrivederci. Uh, Taglatelli. Oh, I'll tell you another one. Tell me three famous Italian people. Gino Di Campo. He's not Italian, is he? Gino sure. Di Campo. We don't live there anymore. Yeah, but he's You don't Italian. have to live there to be from there. All right, I've, uh, got, I've got one. Patrick, Patrick Vieri. Uh, Christian Vieri. Oh, my God. Oh my oh, God. Christian Vieri. Filippo yeah. uh, Inzaghi. Okay. Uh, Ma Mario and Luigi. There's my three. You made that sound like one person. Man's not a person. You are? Mario and Luigi. That's two idiots. Yeah, exactly. He, he said it like one person, Gino didn't he? Gino Di Campo. Oh, Gino Di Campo. Yeah. Mario and Luigi. I'm not having Gino Di Campo, though. He lives in England. Yeah, but he's Italian. I just asked him. Sheet on the bed. You want to fuck on the table? That's my what? Italian accent. What? You want to fuck on the table? He's going to be the face of Marshall Mistley, I've decided. How, how, he day, just went. Can I say one thing? Before you said yeah, he went, I've been really stressed this week because my hair hasn't been on point. I mean, I, I said, if they're your problems in life, you're going to do all right. That's your problems in you life. You know what? Minute. If we don't eat, you know, the, very last, the last two years of his life have been very easy, to be fair. Hard, oh, but a lot. You know what? He's had a life you couldn't dream of. It's well, it's fantastic. You know fantastic. what I mean? Like, I'm loving my life, yeah. He's never. 
You see that Michael, Ty uh, Michael Tyson? Who the fuck is Michael Tyson? What the fuck is wrong with me? Are you alright, mate? Who the fuck is Michael Tyson and Patrick Vieira? <laughs> Patrick anyway, Vieira. You know that Mike, Michael, I'm fucking about to say it again. You know Mike Tyson that interviewed you? I said, I never thought there was any beautiful women. Mike you know Tyson? I mean? Yeah, you know, I've seen that interview. Yeah. I've never thought many beautiful women. I've seen him at 17. I'm so proud of him. The man he's become. I'm so proud Dave, of him. Dave likes to put out my personal we'll see. sexual yeah, we'll see. life. Which is no, I mean, sometimes I'm not, I'm not, not saying true. That. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Because I know my mum's going to watch this. I'm just saying, I respect this man. Thank you. I respect Good. you. How good. many girls has he slept with? No. I reckon. No, Go on. no, no, no. no. How do you figure? Go on. Sheree, no, no, no. close your ears. Probably about 30, 40. I 30, 40. How old are you? 17. That's disgusting. Yeah. That is well, I'm not, if I was his real dad, I'd put my foot down, innit? I'd go, Danny, stop. Yeah, I'm not. But I'm not his real dad, so it's not up to me. Yeah. My dad's also really confused with this. The real Gary Morrell. That was my impression of David Dumonte. Gary Morrell. 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 Yeah. That's I don't real. care. 40 girls, that's horrendous. No, it's a lie. He's lying. No, he's Just not. Just for banter, makes he me doesn't, look, He doesn't lie. Makes I me look lie. like a lad. That's what he's making me look like a lad. For He wants a lad to be the face of Matrim Italy. Basically. You could pass off as someone who's the face of Matrim Italy 100%. Correct. 100%. I look Italian, don't I? You could be Italian, but... It worries me when I said, can you speak some Italian? You just went pizza. Yeah, well, if you want me to be it, then I'll learn some Italian. I'm very clever. Danny, Danny, in a few years, Danny in a few years will be really, really funny, you know what I mean? I'm, I am really funny. No, no, but I mean like... You Do know, you ever to, wonder where you know, to, be really, to be really funny, you need to have a degree of intelligence. Yeah. Because wit is intel wit and intelligence is human Dave, as well. you know that. And you're all funny about being stupid. Who's the funniest person you've ever met? Who makes you laugh? Every day. Yeah, yeah I want to see you every day. Yeah. I make him laugh all the time. And if you ever think, wow, Dave's putting some good tweets out here. I'm sat next to him. Can I say one thing? Can I say one thing to you, yeah? Yeah. You I've got people that make me laugh, yeah. Some because they're generally funny, some because they're generally stupid. Do you know what some people? No, no, I'm not saying you are. No, I'm no, saying no, Dave. You know, saying I think you are. you know them <laughs> people that just un, like, they're, yeah, just, yeah. they're just funny because yeah. they're a bit whatever, you know, stupid. a little bit stupid. Right. He's, he's a I'm bit not calling fine. you that, by the way. Well, Absolutely not. No, I'm just saying which one. He's not the brightest kid in the world. I've got more juices than he's had at dinners. I'm very clever and intelligent. He's not that intelligent. Yeah, I am. Right, let's spot can we, do, can we do a quick general knowledge? Do a quick fire quiz. No, point to a bone in your body. FEMA, 1 0. No, First it's five, a one competition. 1 0, 1 0. No, it's not. Next question. Hold do on. you know what he does? Next question. What's his tipping point? Uh, tibia, Fibia. Uh, 3 0. I'm not playing these shoes. Alright, no bone. Did you get any general knowledge question? That's my. F well, it depends. He has a tipping. <laughs> Any question, any general knowledge, you won't know. What's the capital of Ethiopia? Yeah, oh, Dave, what's, what's the, what's the, the capital of Italy? Uh, Rome. Maximum Italy, yeah. Oh, I'll run. Yeah. What's the capital of Spain? Uh, stop it. Yeah, let him answer. You didn't know that one. Let him yeah, answer. Yeah, I literally went, and you went, Madrid. Okay. Um, what's the capital of Turkey? There's two of them. Is there? What? There's two capitals of Turkey. I'm not good at my capitals. Uh, one is, one part, one half of Turkey is in Europe. That's Istanbul. Do you know when? Go over here to the uh, Asian side. It's Ankara. Do you know? Do you know when naming capitals makes me a lot of money? I'll decide to be good at it, but it's not going to make me any money. Oh, in good life. answer. Thank you. Good answer. Good answer. What's the capital of Switzerland? Switzerland. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, fair enough. But Geneva. Is it? Geneva. Not Zurich. 
So I did I originally said I'm gonna I'll be honest, I did say for Dave to get you in the yeah, headlock, but I don't think that's appropriate. No, it's really. not appropriate at all because we're, I'm actually happy for him. He's just won his fight. <laughs> he's and, uh, good. He's very good. Like, he's we good. get so many birds, he's isn't good. it? And we don't want to be violent. Try get so Enough many violence. He just knocks. He just knocks somebody Try out. Get so many Can't birds. you do yeah. one wrestling move on him? No, what you've well, no learned wrestling. from Mick Foley? No wrestling. What, whatever. From what yeah. you learned from no, Mick Foley. He'll, show, he'll shadow box. He'll shadow box a wrestling move. Do you want your back a little Jericho? No, please. I'm not stupid, mate. What about a suplex? I'm chaining on the floor. I'm on I'm chaining Monday morning. I'm fighting on Wednesday. He's fighting Wednesday. Sunderland plays <coughs> on Grindon's Fair play, fair play. Yes. 46 amateur fight. He's really come on a ton, to be honest. And I'll tell you what, all the boys, everyone's going up to me. All the boys are watching all the clubs. Hold on. Do you know what you got? Sorry, just pick that back up. I just didn't want to I'm cut you mid-flow. Fighting, in, uh, fighting on, uh, on Wednesday in Sunderland, the Grindon's Club, Plains Farmway. Got a rematch with a kid. He's had, all the boys, I've, I see like all, Willie Hutchinson, uh, Liam Williams, a few others. All come up, that young lad's changed. Really, really, really good, isn't he? Doing really, really the well. Doc. John Doc is it. They're all, they're all genuinely impressed with him. He has come on an absolute ton. All jokes aside, because we joke, constant jokes in it all the time. The only time we get serious is when we're in the gym. But uh, I'm really impressed with him, actually, genuinely. And I, I don't, I'm not a bullshitter. I'm not, I don't bullshit. If someone comes to the gym and they're no good, I said they're no good, it doesn't matter what. what if he was what, no good, you were telling me he's no good. I'm telling you, we won't be boxing. Fair play, fair play. I've had spars before and I walk, I walk out quite confident. Like, I did well there and Dave says you did shit there. Yeah, look, I tell him how it's it is. A bit, it's a bit heartbreaking. If you care for somebody, you have to tell them the truth and you're straight with them. So if he's, basically you're saying if he, you thought he was shit, you would just he come out box, of it? He wouldn't box. A, because it's not a game anyway, and B, because I care about it, so you definitely wouldn't box. I'm very honest with him and the others, all of them. Jay. As soon as Jay misses one session or does anything out of hand, they go back to Glasgow and he won't come back. Very strict. I'm really matured to us. I know, I know I do like to joke, I'm a joke and I'm, I'm fucking like a child, aren't I? But I'm very serious and I've really matured the last thing, especially with him. Like, that real guy Morel thing, it's a joke, but when we're out and about, I'm, I'm like his fucking dad, his big brother, the dad figure to him, I am, and I have to fucking be, and have to be mature, and if I, I wanted to, he, he, he got so he's got a lot of talent, people think he's just my mate, he's not, cause I, I don't, why would I waste my time, over the last couple of years he's cost me an absolute fortune, and I don't want any of that money about, but, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it for good of my fucking health, I tell you that, because it's stressful as fuck sometimes, yes. we've got to get out of Shamley's cost of him. Oh god, here we go. <laughs> Oh no, god, didn't. here we go. No, we didn't. Half and half. Me and Dan. Kicked out of where? Champney Spa. Oh, Champney Spa. He was shagging one of waitresses. No, right. And I, and I went paying for the steaks. What? Really? Alright, anyway, Coogan Cassis for iPhone TV. Thank you very much for coming to iPhone TV. Thank you, and we'll catch up soon, yeah? No problem. See you later on. Gold Star Promotions is proud to present Floyd Money Mayweather. The man himself is coming to the UK for his UK tour. February and March 2020. For all info and tickets, Gold Star Promotions, the host of the UK.